me invite you to open up God's Word with me for the next few minutes to the New Testament book of Colossians. We've been walking through Colossians this summer in a series entitled Rediscover Jesus. And this morning we'll be looking back, we'll be looking at a couple verses from chapter 1 that we have already covered, but verses that speak gospel truth and prepare us to observe communion or the Lord's Supper together. We'll be in Colossians chapter 1. Broken. That's the best word to describe the glass cup after it slipped from my hand and landed on the kitchen countertop, instantly shattering into many pieces. For the first couple years of our marriage, I developed a reputation around the house with my wife, Ashley, as the one who was periodically shrinking our selection of glassware and tableware due to instances just like that. Now that kids are in the picture, thankfully there is always somewhere else to divert the blame. (laughs) Broken. That's the best word to describe my brand new fishing rod just minutes after trying it out on the Cahaba River. It's what happens when your lure sinks into a tree and you quickly try to yank it out with one sweeping motion. Don't do that unless you have purchased the product warranty. I didn't purchase the product warranty. Broken. That's an appropriate word to describe the relationship between God and all of those who have sinned against Him. Just as a couple who has decided to end their dating relationship might say, we broke up, sin has broken up our relationship with God. His work of creation, the Creator set humanity apart from the rest of His creation, creating us in His image and in His likeness so that we could enjoy an intimate relationship, an intimate fellowship with Him, unlike the rest of His creatures. Yet Adam, first man who walked the earth, Adam's sin severed that intimacy. Adam's sin severed that relationship that God desires to share with His people. And all of us, every single one of us, has subsequently followed Adam's path of rebellion against God. Thus sin separated us from a right relationship with God. Turn your attention to Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. The Bible states it this way. The Bible reads there, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Once, sometime prior for the people of God, sometime back, we were alienated from God and were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. Elsewhere, the Bible states it this way. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul writes, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Church, the Bible clearly teaches that without the gospel, humanity is separated from God. Without the gospel, without 
The good news of God's grace as has been displayed through Christ. All of us, all humankind, past, present, and future is separated from God. In other words, before the story of restoration through Jesus unfolded on earth, all of us were hopeless and all of us were lost and all of us were alienated from God. All of us have sinned. And all sin is ultimately against the only one who is sinless, our Maker. The one who is perfect, the one who is holy, the one who is eternal, the one who created us and who sustains us. And the Bible teaches throughout, specifically in Romans chapter 6, that the due payment for our sin against God is death. For the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of the payment, the due payment for our sin against God is death. Separation from God and spiritual death. There really is nothing worse for us than to be without the presence of God and without the provision of God, for God Himself is the source of all life. Yet all humanity, all of us, have inherited a broken relationship with the one who made us, the one who is perfect. And this broken relationship is evidenced by by the attitude of all who have not been reconciled with God. By the attitude of all who have not been restored to a right relationship with God. The unregenerate or those who have not received new life in Christ, those who have not been born again in Christ are hostile toward God. The unregenerate are hostile toward God. That's what the Bible teaches. Once, Colossians 1.21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. Alienated from God, separate from God, and enemies in your minds. The mindset is characterized by hostility toward God, rebellion against God. All of us living today are living in the midst of a cultural shift further and further away from a Christian worldview. Certainly doesn't mean that we had everything together before. We didn't have a totally Christian worldview before. Let's not be so naive as to think that were the case. But it is becoming increasingly hostile toward God and the things of God. Nevertheless, this this is the way of the world. Paul reminds us in Scripture that all of us were once hostile toward God. Let me invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the left several pages to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we, we read these words in God's Word, beginning in verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Bible reads, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And don't miss verse 11. And that is what some of you were. 
But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, those that are immersed in sin and a lifestyle of sin that is that begins with a hostile mind toward God and the things of God will not inherit the kingdom of God. And according to the word of God, that's, that's where all of us were. Every single one of us at one time or another hostile toward God. And yet in his grace, by Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God, he has washed us, he has cleansed us, he has purified us, he has forgiven us, he has sanctified us, setting us apart as his people, he has justified us. Declaring us righteous in his eyes. The unregenerate are naturally hostile toward God. Resulting in actions and inactions and attitudes that are dishonoring to God. Hostility toward God results in evil behavior. Hostility toward God results in evil behavior. We see that right here in Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. Once you were alienated from God. And were enemies in your minds. Because of your evil behavior. Separated from God. Enemies of God. Hostile toward God. And this was demonstrated or shown by our evil behavior. Our position before God, which was one of hostility and estrangement, greatly impacts our behavior in the world. Put in other words, our identity precedes our activity. Who we are determines what we do. You know, it's easy for us to point the finger and to blame others for turning their backs on God and the things of God and embracing sin and championing sin. But but all of us must remember that without the gospel, we too embraced sin. Without the gospel, we are dead in our sins. Without the gospel, We are broken. Without the gospel, we are separated from God. Father, Lord, would you remind us this morning of the truths of your word? Lord, often we are so quick to jump to the solution. We are so quick to overlook the problem and jump to to your grace. And Lord, we know the story, we know of your grace, and we are motivated by your grace to be here today, to gather with your people, to worship you, to open your word, and to fellowship in your name, sing praises to you. But Lord, remind us this morning of the depths of our sin, the gravity of our sin against a perfect and holy and mighty God. Lord, remind us why the sacrifice of Jesus was necessary. And Lord, hear our praise today that we might exalt you for you are worthy of our praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Gorilla brand superglue claims to be for the toughest jobs on planet Earth. And it can repair a lot of broken stuff. In fact, they claim that it bonds just about everything. I have semi-successfully used that stuff to repair a number of things from Christmas ornaments to 
household decorations, a vacuum cleaner pipe a couple of different times, and a ceramic spoon, and who knows uh, what else. And I'm sure if we were to take a poll this morning, a number of, no telling what we would hear, that uh, you have successfully uh, attempted or used superglue to fix in your own life. But we can thank God for things like superglue. However, superglue will not fix everything. It will not repair everything. In fact, it doesn't work well on people. Don't try it on people. The manufacturer quickly cautions against skin and eye contact and for very good reasons. Nor can it repair broken relationships. In fact, nothing can repair our broken relationship with God except for one thing. And that one thing is hard to come by. That one thing is blood. But not just any blood. For the wages of sin is death. Thus death must come due to our sin against God. The shedding of blood represents death. In fact, the Bible states in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 that the life of a creature is in the blood. God formally said to his people, recorded in that same chapter and verse, he said, I have given it, I have given the blood to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. In other words, God commanded his people, he commanded the Israelites to participate in this sacrificial system that involved the shedding of blood from animals that were to be sacrificed on an altar as an act of worship for their atonement, for their removal of and forgiveness for sins. And this practice, we know, according to God's Word, had to, repeat, had to be repeated time and time and time again, year after year, for according to the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, it is impossible, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The sacrifice of animals was only meant to provide a temporary picture. It was a a short-term practice that was to convey and portray a much bigger picture. The picture of the gravity, the seriousness of our sin against the Holy God and our need for atonement from that sin. Only the shedding of blood from a sinless Innocent man could provide forgiveness for sinners deserving death. And we know Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to earth to provide that blood for us. To offer himself as the once and for all sacrifice that removes and covers and forgives our sins against God. Colossians chapter 1 Verse 21, once you were alienated from God. Verse 22, but now, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Once you were separated, now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. 
in order to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Church, in the gospel, God restores believers into right relationship with Him. Without the gospel, humanity is separated from Him. But in the gospel, God restores believers, people of faith, into right relationship with Him. The verb that's used here in verse 22, Two, that's translated has reconciled near the beginning of this verse is the central verb. It's the central action of this entire section. And rightfully so because it highlights the central activity of the gospel. That God has saved believers in Jesus. Restoring us into a right relationship with Him. Once we were far away, but now we have been brought near through the death of Jesus in our place. Once we were alienated, now we are reconciled. This is not because of something we have done. This is not because of something we devised or something we thought up or a plan that we carried out. No, this was God's plan to overcome the predicament that we as His creatures put ourselves in. Church, the cross of Jesus is God's provision and plan of salvation. The cross of Jesus is God's plan, not our plan. God's plan and His provision to provide salvation to us. In other words, before the foundation of the world, according to God's Word, before the foundation of the world, God pre-planned to save guilty sinners from conviction before a just God who must punish sin. We know that justice demands that wrongs are paid for. An unbiased jury, a neutral jury, would have no problem determining our guilt when weighed against the standard of perfection. When weighed against the standard of God. Yet God is not only a just God. We know that He is also gracious. and He is compassionate. He is patient. He's abounding in steadfast love. He is overflowing in faithful love. And in His mercy, God paid for the wrongs against Him so that we would not have to. On the cross, Jesus took the separation of sin so that we could be reconciled to God. Thank God for the cross. Because the cross of Jesus exonerates the guilty. The cross of Jesus pardons us, acquits us, vindicates us, clears us of guilt against God. If we receive the one who died on that cross in faith. The picture found here in Colossians chapter 1 verse 22 is of enemies of God who have become friends of God. Enemies of God who have been reconciled with God by way of the cross. And therefore being presented before God on some future day as holy in His sight. Without blemish and free from accusation. The language of holy without blemish recalls those very sacrifices that referred to earlier. Animal sacrifices that had to be repeated year after year. In which the people of God were commanded, called to bring God the first and the best. Animals without blemish, without spot, perfect animals as a representation of who the one they are, who the one that they are worshiping is. 
that he is deserving of the best that we have to offer. But more than that, foreshadowing the perfect Lamb of God who would come and take away the sins of the world. The Bible is stating that we, as those with faith in Jesus, will be presented before God and found to be perfect in this way, innocent, just as Jesus is innocent. And free from accusation, we know, brings to mind a legal setting, a courtroom setting in which someone's action or someone's character is being evaluated before a judge. And here the picture is of the last judgment. When we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. In church, when we stand before that judgment seat as believers in Christ, followers of Christ, as recipients of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus, we, we will be declared not guilty, innocent on that day by the sovereign Lord of the universe and the mighty judge of His creation, never to be judged again. There will be no accusations. There will be no arguing with the verdict because all will know that none of us arrive there by our own merits. None of us arrive there by our own innocence, but only by the innocence of the one and only Son of God, Jesus Christ, which was graciously and freely applied to us. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that presents us holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. Church, those who know Jesus look forward to that day. To the day that He returns and the day that we will be united with our Savior for all of eternity, basking in His glorious presence and enjoying His abundant provision. And as believers walking in this life, we, we enjoy fellowship with God here and now through Christ, but, but we long to experience the full ramifications of our restoration Jesus. In his book titled The Gospel, Pastor Ray Ortland describes a hypothetical scenario to portray what it is that we are given in Christ. So listen to this illustration, listen to this analogy that conveys what it is that we have received as recipients of the gospel. He writes, each of us, each of us is like a homeless man who sleeps under a bridge and eats out of dumpsters. One day a limousine pulls up and out steps an attorney who hands him a letter. A long lost uncle has died and left him a fortune. The check will arrive in a few days. Suddenly the cardboard shelter doesn't feel so hopeless. He can live with it for a little while longer. A vast fortune is coming. Folks, a vast fortune has come to us through Jesus. And the fortune is God. The fortune is a reconciled relationship with God. It is forgiveness with God through Jesus. So church, as those who have been forgiven, and those who have received that gift in faith, let's pause once again. And let's celebrate the forgiveness from God and the restoration with God that we have graciously received in Jesus. Father, we are grateful people because of the cross. We are grateful for your love for us. We are grateful for the way that you sustain us. Lord, we are grateful for the cross.
Lord, would you hear our praise now as we worship you as our creator, Lord, as the author of life, as our sustainer day by day, Lord, and as our redeemer in and through Jesus. We praise you for you are worthy here. Hear our praise now in Christ's name. So we prepare to observe the Lord's Supper. Let me invite our deacons who are serving this morning if they would come and prepare to serve. And We believe that the Lord's Supper or communion is remembrance of what Christ has done for us. Us remembering as believers in Christ the sacrifice that Jesus paid on our behalf. And so we invite this morning all believers, all who know that forgiveness, all who have been reconciled, to God by way of the cross to participate in observing the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, For those that uh, have not received Christ uh, for salvation, those who have not placed their faith in Christ, we would encourage you to uh, abstain from uh, this observance uh, this morning. Um, We believe that uh, Jesus gave this practice to his followers and that it is an important practice, an important practice of remembering what it is that Christ has done uh, for us. The Bible says that when Jesus was eating with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. He said, take and eat. This is my body. The Bible says that then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. He said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. So went on to say, truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. We invite you to stand as our deacons find their way to their seats as we stand and respond to the truths of God's word this morning. Yeah, go ahead and stand. Don't be shy. And um, let's praise the Lord for he is worthy of our praise. Let's thank him for redeeming us and uh, let's thank him for the cross uh, together. This is be our hymn of response this morning.